Gallybega Press are almost the dictionary definition of an independent publisher that punches above its weight. Directors Sam Jordison and Eloise Miller have seen their publications make the shortlists of the Booker and other literary prizes, crafting a reputation for taking risks where others won't and duly receiving acclaim when those books reach a wider readership, all of which means that each book of theirs is always worthy of attention. James Clammer is the author of a YA novel, Why I Went Back, but for his adult fiction debut, Insignificance, he drew on his previous work as a plumber to tell the story of 24 extraordinary hours in the life of an ordinary man called Joseph. I sat down with all three of them to discover how they all met and why this is the book. I began by asking Sam Jordison how he had first come across James Clammer's writing. It was way back in the early history of Gallybega Press and I used to run something called the Singles Club and the idea was that we would give away a monthly short story as an ebook. When I say give away, I actually mean sell. <laughs> so, it would, but it would only it would only cost a pound, and it was a way of uh, I hoped bringing subscribers into the website and of discovering exciting new writers. And you know, um, working on a short story is often a really good way of getting to know a writer. And actually, as it turned out, the singles club logistically it was really difficult to manage getting out a monthly ebook and selling it for a pound that was the returns were very slim and there were all kinds of reasons it didn't work but the thing it was absolutely fantastic for was getting some writers on our radar and one of them was uh, James Clammer who sent in a story called The Cruelna uh, which was very very strange but beautifully written and every sentence was really carefully measured and you could really tell from from reading it that you know every comma uh, jim had placed them with exquisite care and um i enjoyed working on that with him and arguing about a few of those commas as i remember and we've stayed in touch ever since so that would be i guess seven years i think we've been we've been corresponding um but uh jim will be able to to tell you the story of the you know the the intervening years and the the composition of insignificance but i think that came to us um oh quite a while ago as well we've been working on it for for a long time and in fact it was delayed because of the pandemic so it should have come out in 2020, but we were really worried about all the shops being closed and it not seeing the light of day and not getting the, the readership it deserved. So we, we've held it back. So it's been a long process, really. And James, what's your recollection of meeting? And can you fill in some of those blanks and tell us how insignificance came to be? Yeah, well, the first time that I came across Sam really was when he was writing a, a week column for The Guardian um, and he was uh, going through the old Nebula and um, Hugo Award winners. At the time, I was working in a post room at the University of Brighton, and I'd managed to uh, get this down to such a fine art that I could do the post in an hour and uh, spend the rest of the time online. So I read most of Sam's um, uh 
very good columns about that. And then when I wrote that particular story, The Crew End, that was just when Galley Beggar Press had got going. They immediately, uh, I immediately kind of picked up on them because they put, uh, put a book out um, uh, by somebody who had been in Daya, uh, and I was interested in Robert Graves, although at the time I was actually too poor to write that, to read, to, to buy a copy of the book. Um, but I sent a copy of, the, the, uh, of that story, The Crew End, uh, to Sam there, really, just when they were getting going. And I was actually at quite a low point as a writer then because uh, I've been getting a lot of uh, rejections and fortunately they picked up on it. The story actually of that of that story is quite interesting. That was a real breakthrough for me, that story, although it's a number of years ago now, because what happened was I actually had a dream, I dreamed it. Um, and the next morning I wrote it down in a dream. And I realised that dreams are incredibly boring, really, for other people to read about. So I knew that I had to um, uh, put some kind of dramatic thread through it. But I had this, this dream was still hanging over me. So I wrote that story in three days. Day one was part one of the story. Day two, I did the second part. Day three, I revised it. Day four, I sent it off to Sam and Ellie. And... Um, Miracle of Miracles, they actually liked it. And uh, hallelujah, they published it in their singles club. And um, and um, um, we've been in touch ever since, as Sam said. Insignificance really comes from my time that I worked as a plumber, um, which I did for a number of years. And one of the things that has always uh, um, baffled me bemused me since I started reading literature at a very early age uh, was really why this uh, world of work didn't figure in so in, in, in almost any of the stories that I books that I was reading particularly for example Evelyn War I went through an Evelyn War stage and Evelyn War didn't do much manual labor in his life <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I was being mocked as well at work for um, reading Bride's Head Revisited and uh, um, but it wasn't just evil in war it was everything else really uh, everything that I was reading why doesn't but this all these writers that I admire they don't actually ever seem to have had to go out and get earn their money for the you know for their crust to live um, I realized as I went on uh, and I dug deeper into the structures and the narratives and how drama and stories put together why that is of course it's because work is a very uh, tends to be a very tedious repetitive thing it doesn't make for good drama but still you know there is a, an element that I think this is a, a huge thing that has been that has been um, uh, missed out in the you know writing the experience of novels because it does tend to be that the people who write novels tend to be middle class or upper class people historically um, who have had the time to put uh, to put to develop their skills? Um, so I always thought this this was a gap. Now, when I was working as a plumber, although I wasn't writing at the time, I was always kind of putting these details in the back of my mind, and I knew that really nobody else, or I felt that nobody else had really done this. So. One of the things that I did was I really one day I just sat down and wrote out this um, te very technical description 
uh, uh, how I'd done this uh, job. And then I thought this is a kind of new thing and I'd like to get this into a book, but it, it took a while to work out how to do it dramatically. I was encouraged by reading some of Rudyard Kipling's short stories. He has an amazing short story where um, about a, a, a steam liner that goes across the Atlantic and all the parts of the liner come to life. And then I was just, uh, and then I found out as well that Thomas Pynchon had begun his career writing technical manuals. So that gave me a bit of confidence that there was something in there. And um, so I had, on one hand, I had the, this, this technical background. And on the other hand, I had some other ideas that were knocking around um, about some of the other themes that are in, in significance. And I put them together and it seems to have worked. <laughs> I think, well, the first thing I want to uh, uh, point out, Will, is that I did grow up in a fairly middle class house, so I can't properly uh, present myself as a working class writer. Having said that, I have spent all my all the jobs that I've ever done have been in that milieu, and yeah. most of the people I know are, are, are in that kind of you know that kind of class. I think there has been a, a, a current of working class writing that has gone on. Uh, really for decades, but it's kind of flown under the radar. So you would think, for example, of Alan Silito, who is one of my favourite writers. You would think of John Brain. Um, you would think of James Kelman in Glasgow, who is an incredible writer. Um, I think it's a question of two things. I think this stuff has been bubbling away under the surface all the time, um, but it gets less... Um, it gets less media, less attention from, say, the book pages because yeah. it doesn't reflect so much the uh, readership of, of those book pages and it doesn't reflect also the sales of books because, sad to say, you know, for literary novels, the, the, the audience is generally middle class. To become a writer, you need to work at it. It doesn't just happen overnight. Mm. Um, you need to put in the hours of, um, of of perfecting these skills, and you need to read. You need to read, 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 and pick up all the the skills, all the tricks other people have learned. And that takes a long time. And most people who have to, what I would call ordinary people, um, just don't have the time for it so there's a lot of structural problems um to getting these sorts of stories out there if you don't have the time or the access to certain things it means that writing as a career just isn't open to you i know that there are some efforts underway by some publishers to to find writers uh in communities or uh, in places where they might not see it as an option and, and to give them that opportunity. But you, I mean, as you described, you, you found a job where you basically were able to get the work done quickly so that you would then have the time to do what you really wanted to do, which was... I did, read. I That's did. Fun. It was a wonderful job, although they, they, they got on to me at the end because um, <laughs> they, after about four years of doing this, somebody came in and said, every time I see you, you're reading Dostoevsky. <laughs> And I said, I've never read Dostoevsky at work. Thank you very much. Uh, I was making way through James Bond at the time. And um, eventually they said, uh, they basically cottoned on to it. And they said, we're going to centralise everything, Jim, through your, through your post room. 
So you're actually going to be doing work. And at that point, I handed my notice in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Ellie, I wanted to bring you in now because I wanted if you, you obviously at Galley Beggar, you are constantly looking for new voices and you are always looking to find new and exciting literature to bring to readers. And I wondered what it was about Jim's writing, his style, his his approach that got you excited when you first read it? I guess there are two things to say about that. And, and the first I can say very simply is just that, you know, if anybody who picks up Insignificance and will read it, it's just a wonderful book. And I think the level of, the, on the level of this sentence as well, like, you know, Jim is an incredibly elegant writer and uh, also that, you know, the, the, the narrative and the words themselves are just kind of bubbling with life. So it's immediately thrilling. And, you know, he's just brilliant. Um, and the other thing is, I think at Gallybegger, I mean, we're not especially wedded to any one particular type of writing. But I think if you look through our backlist and, you know, Gallybegger is run by Sam and I, basically. So it's very much our own kind of reading preferences. but. Um, we're both quite interested in modernism um, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because there was a lot of small presses around then, and and two, because there were some brilliant writers. So you've got The Wasteland, you've got Mrs. Dalloway, um, by Virginia Woolf, you've got Ulysses. And actually quite a few of our books have kind of spoken to modernism and those books. So, for example, whether that's... Um, Lucy Allen with Ducks Newburyport as a stream of consciousness or um, Alex Phoebe with Lucia, which is kind of interrogating the life and legacy of, of Lucia Joyce. And insignificant, it, insignificance is really part of that and says, does something completely different in that um, I was at a modernist conference a couple of years ago and I, I spoke about this because Jim had been talking to me and it was so compelling um, that Jim had been talking about um, those days in the life books like Mrs. Dalloway and um, Ulysses and that they were wonderful, uh, fantastic works of literature. But um, the uh, the working class man or woman just never got the chance to navel gaze in literature in the same way. So in a way, kind of, insignificance is is Mrs Dalloway for for a working man and um I find that so interesting um so I I think it works as a novel in its own right but I think that it kind of speaks into and out of a particular tradition that I'm quite passionate about uh, and Sam, as as the other half of Gallybugger, uh, what was it about Insignificance and, and James as a writer that got you so excited about bringing this book to readers, especially, as you say, after having had to sort of hold on to it through lockdown and, and this very tricky year that we've all been through? I think, of course, I I, I agree with everything my, my co-director and, and wife says, of course. And I think, but the, <laughs> the other really important thing for me is that it's a great story and it's really... You know, we've been talking about it in quite intellectual terms, I suppose, now. But actually, it's it's a really emotionally uh, devastating book, I would say. You know, it really... It, <laughs> I was going to... Uh, my, my teenage daughter is going to hate me saying this, but, you know, it's really got all the feels. It really can't... You know, it, it, it matters both 
in your brain, but you know, in your heart, it it really wraps its fingers around you. And there's real tension. So, you know, uh, Jim was talking about the the plumbing job, which comes quite early on in the narrative. But the, the description, it's not just that it's fascinating as a description of, of the way this particular job works. There's, there's real tension because uh, there's a guy sucking on a pipe essentially to get some some water flowing and it becomes just you know i i was sweating almost i've done that job uh of, of having to drain a cylinder by sucking it and uh, <laughs> it nearly gave me an asthma attack well and but... uh and it was you know these things when they happen in your life you don't forget them and and it's really translated onto the page because you think oh my god is he going to be able to do it is he going to you know is he going to collapse as a result of sucking so hard on this and it mounts up and it mounts up in this this brilliant brilliant way and it it shows you you know how important these these day-to-day things are as well i suppose and um yeah so all all of that stuff really works and of course it's about relationships and humanity and the other aspect of the story is uh, a really difficult domestic situation that this guy has with his his wife and his son and that's it's really touching and it's really moving and and it says really important things about mental health and and dealing with really hard stuff i'm so pleased that you mentioned the emotion because i I was actually going to come on to that because i think a lot of people if they heard that this was a novel about a sort of a working class man who's who's a plumber would not expect it to be as emotionally devastating as it is to read because it's about a man who has suffered a nervous breakdown and is dealing with a huge amount as you're reading this description of his work and what he's doing and I found myself so I found it very painful to read actually I was so worried about him as a character and I and I kept wanting to intervene but you can't, as the reader, of course. You have to sort of sit there and, and just watch what unfolds. Um, but I just wondered whether for you, James, writing that, as the person who was putting your character through this, whether it was difficult to write, therefore, because it's certainly difficult to read. Well, this was a strange one, actually, because I have done uh, other writing projects in the past which uh, have been quite... Uh, they've taken a long time to do. When I came to write this one, I'd come out of a situation in my life where I hadn't actually been able to find the time to write for uh, three or four months. And it just it just came out. I wrote it in 121 days. And it wasn't particularly painful to write because um, some of those things I, well, you know, there were one or two autobiographical touches in there. So some of these things I... I, I um, dealt with uh, years ago it just it just came out in a big rush and um it was amazing actually really the experience of writing it and when I finished I thought I've done it I've written a novel in 121 days of course then I had to go back through the second draft and um smooth out everything all the pieces that didn't work but that's just the job um so the experience to answer your question, Will, it wasn't painful to write. It was almost, um, it was almost a pleasure. It just flowed. To bring in sort of Sam and Ellie again, having received this this manuscript that had come out so cathartically, do you think that's also part of the power of of what is actually quite a short book? Um, is that it, it it contains 
almost like a dam that sort of bursts. It's got a lot of energy behind it because it's been contained for so long. Short answer is definitely yes. Uh, I quite like the idea of the dam bursting. It also, I suppose it feels like being punched in the stomach. <laughs> but, mm. uh, you know, you really feel that that force. Um, and, yeah, you feel like you feel like you've been taken somewhere mm. by the end. I, I think as well... It's a book, I mean, we're kind of talking, in term, we're being quite binary here in terms of classes and stuff, but in terms of the family dynamic, the dynamic in relationships, you know, there's nobody, there's no reader in the world who hasn't faced a moment of crisis, which has been quite profound to them and quite distressing. And I think that Insignificance encapsulates a moment like that in, in quite an exquisite way, um, which is, you know, very easy to identify with. And whilst, of course, the book is called Insignificance, uh, it doesn't feel <laughs> in any way insignificant. And I wonder uh, for you, Ellie, first, what, why why this book feels like a significant publication and what you hope readers might get from reading it? I think it's just a great book. And, you know, all of the things I spoke about before that, you know, it speaks to me in different ways, both kind of formally and emotionally. But maybe that's the thing. I mean, I think that you've got, a very small book. I mean, I think it's 170 pages, a uh, typeset that packs a tremendous emotional punch. But it's also exquisite. I mean, every page, there's a sentence that I want to kind of take out. And I don't know if you ever write little notes. Uh, you want to remember certain things that have been said mm. in the book. I mean, I, I feel that with, with this book very much. Uh, so, you know, it's just a joy uh, on all counts. We should t- take you into the back room a bit because we did have the ridiculous discussion about <laughs> whether whether calling it insignificance was saying that the book is insignificant and whether people <laughs> would do that. Uh, and in the end, we thought, no, it's the right title and we'll we'll just write it out. <laughs> I didn't know that that had happened. <laughs> no, I didn't know that had happened either. So, Sam, you had that conversation with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we spoke about this, darling. We'll... <laughs> This again feels very fitting for this book, that this is the conversation that we're now having. Um, And James, um, for you, obviously, as I said, this novel covers some pretty big topics. And often when I speak to writers, they talk about the research that they've done into mental health. um, Or in this case, you know, we might talk about sort of violent uh, pasts or the British justice system or something like that. But I, I wonder whether that was the process for you or, or whether it was, as you say, that there was sort of, because of the autobiographical elements, that it, it was something that you had been holding on to and that it was about getting it down on the page. Yeah, so there was the first element, which was the one you've just mentioned, Will, which is the, the, the stuff that I had experienced directly. But I'm not really interested in just writing a novel that just touches on that one er- on that one area of experience. So there are other things in there. There's stuff about Capgras syndrome. I have a long uh, interest in in neurology and mental illness. So that was fascinating. And then I'm also, one of the other things that I am a bit obsessed with is religion. I am an atheist, but I'm fascinated with religion because it's one of the the various different world religions because of these, these are the ways that people have devised culturally to overcome their own feelings of insignificance and to make sense of their lives and although these ideas don't really seem to make so much sense 
to modern people now, maybe in England in the uh, 21st century. They still have got a kind of mythical heft that is, is incredibly powerful. So that that's always been an area of interest for me. And so I love reading about that stuff. And if I can get that other if I can get other stuff like that in as well, then it just adds extra layers. And the more layers you have, the better. And it all adds up to this feeling. It all adds into the theme of significance or insignificance. So there were really a whole uh, there's a whole bunch of things working there. And I'm not really interested in limiting narrative to a, a, a tight story. If I can add other things, other other layers, other other uh, elements then it all goes in as long as it works in the end obviously there are some things you put in and you think oh, I went I went off on a tangent there that really needs to come out but <laughs> sometimes that's not the case so those other aspects were just aspects of what I was trying to multi-layer with and that I hope I've succeeded with and Sam you know if you were trying to sort of press a copy of this to to a complete stranger in the street how do you think you would try and sum it up <laughs> this is this, this is the thing that as a publisher i should be able to do really easily uh and the, the thing i want to say is it's just a you know it's a really good book and it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna really matter to you it talks about things that are important it's about it's about someone you're gonna know or someone who's in your family and it's someone who you don't hear from perhaps often enough, but someone who, who is really important and and has weight in the world and it gives him that 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 dignity and space and shows just how how fascinating his world is, as well as, as everything else. Anybody who has a family who loves somebody and who's seen that kind of come a cropper in some sort of way or another is going to find something in this book. Um, it will also really make you not want to be a plumber. So if you want to know more about that's, that. That's why I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to Sam, Ellie and Jim for taking the time to talk to me about Insignificance, which is out now. Sam and Ellie will both return in an episode of our other series, How We Made, to share the inside story behind one of their landmark publications, the Booker and Orwell Prize shortlisted Ducks Newburyport by Lucy Ellman. In the meantime, the next episode of This Is The Book will be here next week as we talk with Britt Bennett and others about her novel and current Waterstones Book of the Month, The Vanishing Half. See you then.